Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Well, a special shout out to Blue Root Vineyard and a special hello and welcome back to my church back home at Roxborough. It is a joy to be in front of all of you. I have this glass of pre-sanitized, before I touched it, water. Thank you. Uh, In the summer, I had a chance to travel on sabbatical, and I'll share a little bit more about that from while I was away, but one of the purposes of my travel was to get to visit some other churches, and BRV was one of the churches that I visited. Mark is a bit of a hero of mine in the faith, and Um, has known my wife and her family for many, many years. And as I've come up in ministry over the years, I've I've turned to Mark on a number of occasions to both to mentor me and to counsel me, but also to just be a a big brother in the faith and in in church leadership. And uh, he has been very influential. So when he asked or offered the opportunity for me to share in the pulpit here, uh, I I was delighted and yet a bit felt a bit uh, inadequate to 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 be in this space. I imagined what it would look like to be in the space with the room filled with crowds overflowing, not one service, not two services, but three services. And then uh, on Monday I began to get phone calls from Kathy, first from Mark from West Coast and then from Kathy. And they began to cast and shape a new dream a new vision. And that dream and that vision is part of the reality of where we are this t- at this moment. I'm joining in on the series of uh, Leap, uh, the Leap of Faith series that has already been going on, but I'm going to be focusing in on Matthew 6, uh, 6.10. I'm going to go ahead and read verses 9 through 13. So if you've got a Bible, I'll wait. If you're from my church and my tradition, when we call out the the, the text that we're going to read, we flip to the page, and then when we get there, we proclaim that we're there by simply saying, amen. And if I move too fast, you might shout out from your couch or wherever you are, I'm not there yet, and and I would wait for you if I could hear you. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. When you get there, let me hear amen. All right, there was a couple of us. All right, all right, there we go. Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. This is Jesus speaking. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This week, the experience from Monday morning to Friday evening could not have been more different. The rise of COVID-19 virus has left the modern world as we know it scrambling. It has raised up fears and uneasy feelings within us that are only comparable in my lifetime to the inauguration of the war against Afghanistan on 9-11. Since then, I cannot remember a time when we as a people, and this time globally, 
have been as galvanized together. I cannot remember a time when we were trudging through the emotional roller coaster of bleak yet hopeful, of fear yet confidence, of lostness yet some sense of direction. And my prayer for us as we engage in the heart of Jesus' prayer with the disciples is similarly, we would find him to be the answer for these contrasting emotions. That you and I might see his leading in this prayer to the heart of his mission, which, by the way, we have also been commissioned to ourselves. Lord, your kingdom come. It's as humbling as it is fascinating to consider that God advances his kingdom agenda through the prayers of his people. I will pause for a moment to let that set in. It is humbling and fascinating to think that God's kingdom agenda is advanced through the prayers of his people. And Jesus instructs his disciples to pray for the kingdom to come. And the coming kingdom is undying. Its undying burden is for God's people. Those who love the king will eagerly yearn for the kingdom of God. Another way to say that is this. His kingdom is what we need. His kingdom is what we long to be a part of. So we speak it out. We cry out to the king. We beg him to allow us to be a part of the kingdom that is here and that is yet to come. So we say, God, Please, your kingdom come. And maybe in moments of greatest need, we cry out with the greatest sense of urgency. God, your kingdom come. Maybe this week, in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the lack of sports, by the way, that was crushing to me. As a Philadelphian, I love what's going on in our sports world right now. And to see them come to a halt was devastating. For those who might not know, that has happened. The sports world has at least paused, if not come to a stop. So back to the message. But this evening or this morning or this night or whenever you're watching this video, I want to really encourage us to think about this. When we cry out, when we, when, we, when we petition God to say, God, your kingdom come, he's also inviting you and me to be ushers, to be the ones who bring about the kingdom, the ones who, who literally reveal the kingdom of God that is already present and the kingdom of God that is yet to come. If I might tell you a story, I want to tell you about my wife. For those who don't know her, uh, for those who know her, you will already agree. For those who don't know her, you, you, I'm letting you in on a secret. 
She's a rock star. She is absolutely amazing. Maybe one of the greatest women I've ever met. Whenever she is away, for me and for our four kids, that's a bit of a wild ride. Uh, for me, I, I'm prayerful during that time. I'm just prayerful that, that she will return quickly. No sooner does she walk out the door and I start saying, God, bring her back. God, bring her back. By the way, she's away right now. She's been away on a women's retreat this weekend. And so this is a true and literal um, uh, story that I'm telling. Uh, no sooner did she leave on Friday around 3 o'clock. By Friday at 3.30, I was saying, Lord, is she coming home yet? Is she coming back yet? But for the kids, it's a bit of an eye-opening experience when mom goes away. Let's think about this for a second. They realize just how blessed they are when she is home, only in her absence. She's away. She, she goes away, and when she heads out, everything starts off great. You know how it goes, right? Like, whatever you want for dinner, no problem. We got it. And so I can order with the best of them. I can pick it up locally or, and through, through the, the, the wonders and joys of, of, of Grubhub, we can get it from a distance. But either way, I mean, we can make dinner happen to, uh, to, to the T of what every, every one of our children would want. And so we eat something we normally wouldn't, and we play with things that we're not going to clean up. Yes, life is different when mom is away. But soon, those temporary joys give way to the big question. You know what the big question is. When is mommy coming home? That question starts just softly, and then it builds with a sense of urgency. When is mommy coming home? And before you know it, there is a chorus of four children all saying at once, when is mommy coming home? That started on Friday around 8 p.m., and continues now through the evening on Saturday. That question about four hours into our experience of a weekend resounding over and over again gives way eventually to the great countdown. Think about this. I can literally say to the kids, she's moments away. When is mommy coming home? Any minute now. Any minute now, I call her and double check. I send her a text. Are you on your way? Are you en route? What is your ETA? And soon I can say to the kids, she's here. Mom is here. They hear me saying that as I am running, not to greet her, running away from the chaos and, and leaving at, the, at her feet four kids that are excited to see her. Why are they so excited? Well, in part because she's fantastic. And in other part because, you know, like the joy of, of eating McDonald's passes. But the greatest reason why they're excited to see her is that she brings a sense of steady, the sense of, of peace, the sense of I know everything is going to be all right. All things decent and in order when mommy's at home. I believe that in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus reveals his heart as he teaches us to pray. I believe that it shows us how, how 
what, and even more importantly, why. Like for my four kids waiting for mom to return, we have to ask, what does it mean for Jesus to instruct us to pray, God, your kingdom come? From that text, I want to point out these four things that I think can, we can really draw out of the text. It might help us for application of this prayer. The first one, simply this. When we cry out, God, your kingdom come, we are acknowledging that I know this ain't it. That I know this ain't it. No matter how good things are or how distressed moments we might be, in distressed moments we might be, no matter how much might be going right or how much might be topsy-turvy in our world around us, Jesus' prayer is that there is a perfected kingdom that is yet to come. Let me say that again. Jesus' prayer is that there is a perfected kingdom that is yet to come, that, that there is a picture of a vibrancy of God that, that flows from the epicenter of an eternal place, that, that each of us is fully ushered into God's presence with the flowing nature of his love and his compassion and his joy that, that fills the voids and replaces the voices that currently fill the cracks of our life. On Tuesday night, when the world found out in the middle of a 76ers basketball game, that this thing, this pandemic that it hit was so great that it was going to halt what we knew to be normal. I have to imagine someone else like me was struck with a moment of, <gasps> was struck with a moment of fear or a moment of confusion. That there was, there was a voice inside that said, everything's going to fall apart. I know that to be true. I began to watched the social feeds. I began to get texts. I began to get emails. There were people asking questions. There was a sense of despair. What I know is that 20 minutes before that, everything seemed all right. And within a 20-minute within a 20-minute span, it became real clear that this ain't it. In this world, the presence of God is present. Let me say that again. We don't wait someday to experience the presence of God. The presence of God is present. For every one of us who has yielded our life in relationship to Jesus, the access to the presence of God is available. To every one of us who, to everyone, we experience being in the presence of God, whether we understand that fully or not. But, but hear this, the world itself stands incomplete of the fullest nature of God's redemptive plan and value. What do I mean by that? Paul says it this way. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know 
fully, even as I am fully known. He says that to the church in Corinth. He's saying that we, we, get a, we get a view of it now. We get a taste of the presence of God. But there comes a day, and I put my hope on this day, that there comes a day when I will be fully exposed to the presence and the glory of God, that in the presence of God, I will experience the fullness of this body being redeemed and this value being found, of my story being complete because of his story being written on my behalf. Someday, one day, every one of us will stand before and enter into an eternal place with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I know this ain't it. I know this ain't it. The second thing I want to say to us from this passage is this. In Christ's kingdom, Christ is king. So when when we cry out, God, your kingdom come, we're crying out, Lord, be the king in the kingdom. God, it be yours. In order to say that, and in order to to earnestly mean that, we've got to look later at the passage where Jesus is teaching. And he says this in Matthew 6, in the 19th verse. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moss and vermin will destroy, and where thieves will break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moss and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I get it. I get it. Many times, I do this. I imagine you might as well. Many times, I live as if I'm the king of the kingdom. Many times, I gather what I want, and I lead in my way, and I run after my desire. So part of crying out, God, your kingdom come, is actually yielding. It's actually kneeling and saying, God, you are the king. You're the center of the story. God, it is you who get to determine how this goes. In case you haven't noticed or or checked, the market is way down. I don't know much about the market being down. I don't have a lot invested in a market, but, but I do know that there are many people who are really affected by this. Let me say this real clear. Whatever it is that we purchase here will never be the king there. Whatever it is we purchase here, Whatever it is we give to here, whatever it is we invest in here, whatever it is we give our heart to here, will never be the king there. There is one king, and when we cry out, God, your kingdom come, that means that, God, you are the center. No matter what I'm doing here, no matter what I'm trying to create, no matter how invested I am. So maybe, just maybe, that means a step back. Pause for a moment. Now, please don't stop listening and say, well, I just heard Pastor Ray say that we need not be wise with our resources and invest. That's not what I'm saying. I don't think that's what Pastor Mark would say. I don't think anybody else would say that either. What I am saying is this. Who's your king? Some of us might need to repent because we've been living as if our king was here. And as if our king could be bought or borrowed. Or gifted. 
John has a vision in the book of Revelation in the 19th chapter. He says this. He says in, in talking about seeing the Christ, he says, on his robe and on his thigh was written this name. King of kings and Lord of lords. God, your wants, your will, your way before mine. What I know from this passage is there's a kingdom of God that will come fully and in perfection. This ain't it. Not yet. Not fully. And in that kingdom, there's a king. Whatever it is right now that I'm treating like a king, it's not it. The third thing is this. You, you probably, probably remember in in a, in a movie. Matter of fact, you can help me. If you remember the movie, I, I was trying to, trying to get my mind around. I couldn't get them all confused. But there's, there's a movie with a little girl who says, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. What was that movie? The Wizard of Oz. That's it. The Wizard of Oz. In The Wizard of Oz, she says, there's no place like home. I said at the beginning that I, uh, I had got to go on sabbatical this summer, and my family and I, we got into an RV, and uh, we traveled 4,000 miles around the country. It was a great time, about 34 days of being out on the road, and, and what a great experience it was. And, and if you're anything like me, if you get to travel anywhere, I don't get to travel often, but the place I get to travel, I, I just fall in love whenever I travel. I'm like, this is the greatest place on earth. I'm like 20 minutes from home. I'm like, this is fantastic. And, and, and if I'm there for a day, I just begin to imagine what it would be like to live there. I'm like, I begin to fantasize about which block I would want to live on and, and you know, which, which neighborhood park I would take my kids to. And, and, and I think about the schools. I might even go online and, and do a quick little search to, to see how the school district is or, or to see what property value is like. I just begin to dream. Oh, this is it. And then, you know, a week later, I might go to another place. And when I get to that other place, you know what I do? The same thing all over again. I just realize, man, this place is great. While I'm out, and I realized this while we were on our road trip, you know, we went, to, we went to six different states while we were traveling, and each one of the states were like, this is great, this is fantastic, I can imagine raising up our family here, this would be amazing, and that's how we felt in about, for about the first hour, maybe the first day, but if we stayed anywhere long enough, it began to set in, there's no place like home. There's just no place like home. Somehow God has DNA'd me to have a love for the place that I call home. I love my block. I love my neighborhood. I love the corner store that I can go to and get what I believe to be the best hoagies in, in, in the Philadelphia region. I, I love that a couple blocks over I can go and get the best cheesesteak in the country. I love home. There's no place like home. The author of Hebrews says this, though. He says, we don't have an enduring city. We don't have an, a lasting place to call home. But we're looking for the city 
that is yet to come. As followers of Jesus, we're on temporary assignment. We're in a temporary place. But we're longing for and looking to that which will be eternal. The place that we will call home. Maybe another way to say it might be this. As followers of Christ, we were made to be image bearers. We're made to be the, the, the reflectors of God and the world around us. When we yield our life to Jesus, our citizenship is reclaimed by God. We are called His, and, and we, we belong to something beyond this place. My citizenship is with Jesus it is in Jesus and with Jesus. Therefore, my hope is not just temporal, it's eternal. The place that I call home is not here, no matter how much I love this. The place that I call home eternally is this kingdom that God has said will come. It's this place where God has said all things will be made right. It's, it's the hope of, of the future while living in the present. Now watch this. I'm going to take you on a road with me. If we're going to go to a place that's eternal, I don't want to go alone. If we're going to head somewhere with God forever, I, I believe that there's enough space for some others to come along with us. And therefore, part of our temporal assignment is to be inviters, to be people who are kingdom builders, to be ushers, inviting other people into a kingdom that is present, but that is not fully present, that is here, but is not fully here, that is, that is now, but is not completely now. In other words, what I'm saying is this. As followers of Jesus, we've got to invite the world to know the hope that you and I have. We've got to invite the world to see what you and I have laid our eyes to. That God is doing something here and now, but that is for us to see what he will do eternally. When the fear grips us, when the confusion comes, the voice inside of us should be saying, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. As I was finishing up seminary many years back, I had a requirement to, uh, to spend 90 hours on hospital rotations. And those hospital rotations in the situation I was in were uh, evening rotations from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. If you're a chaplain at a hospital from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., you know what that means? It means you don't ever see someone who's going to make it to the morning. Because the people who are going to make it to the morning are sleeping. When you get called into the room, it's because someone is passing away. And so as I would go bedside in the rooms that I would be called into, I experienced families wrestling with the passing of loved ones. The hands would grip tighter and tighter as life would pass out of the body. And the family would want to hold on for dear hope. But for those whose room I entered, whose hope had been placed in Jesus, it was almost like you could hear them saying, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. And the hand that was once gripping tightly 
or just open peacefully. Your hands wide open. There's no place like home. As the Spirit of God ushered them from the current kingdom to the eternal one. The fourth thing I think we get from this passage is the how we usher. See, we usher in the kingdom of God through prayer and through response. Through prayer and through action. He says there are three D's that describe this prayer for God's kingdom to come. First is dwelling. I dwell here and now in the place that God is, and yet I lean into the eternal place that God is leading us to. I'm here, and I'm now, and I'm with God, and yet I'm leaning into a greater sense of where God is taking us. The second one, he says, is dominion. The dominion is that we, we, have, we have dominion and responsibility that we're made as image bearers to the king and therefore we have local dominion for his coming kingdom, for his space here and now and for what is yet to still arrive. And then finally, the dynasty. He said when we come to really understand all that God has done, will never trade his dynasty for a temporary desire. Everybody who hears this tonight, I want to ask you one question. For every one of us who's here, for everyone who's listening online, I want to point us in one final direction. Sometimes we pray what we believe, and sometimes we pray until we believe. I know, I have to imagine, that this week has been difficult, that the concerns are many. So in the sovereignty of God, we stand here and talk about the coming kingdom, an eternal plan and purpose, a promise for what is here and what is not yet here. Tonight, today, as you're listening, whenever that is, would you cry out for God's kingdom to come? Would you cry out for God's kingdom to come here, invade your life, that you would be a dwelling for the presence of God? And would you cry out for the kingdom of God to come here, to bring hope, to bring peace, to bring answers, to bring salvation, to bring mercy to all those around us. Let's pray together now. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble, and therefore we will not fear Though the earth should change and though the mountain should shake, though in, in the heart of the sea and though its waters roar and foam 
And while the mountains tremble, and though the virus might rise and the concerns might grow, we will trust in you. And we will do that while we pray, God, your kingdom come. And while we usher through prayer and action, the drawing of the kingdom of God near. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that every single person who hears this would find hope in you in the eternal promise of forever but in the here and now promise of the presence of God available to them. That God, you desire to be known and to be made known. That you desire to to make things right. That you desire God to be Lord. That you're the King of kings. That you're before anything else. So God, you're greater than our fears. God, you're greater than the storms of our life. And yet, God, you're present in the fears and you're present in the storms of life. So we cry out, God, your kingdom come. God, your kingdom come. Wherever you're at, just join me. God, your kingdom come come one more time god your kingdom come in the mighty name of jesus christ amen thank you for listening to our weekly podcast we pray it was life-giving to find out more about us visit our website at roxboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on sundays at 10 30 a.m